Thank you all for that beautiful song. That was great. And a, a perfect uh, segue and into our sermon this morning. I know that uh, you all have um, been in the midst of a, of a sermon series having to do with the uh, disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, exploring the text and, and learning about them, about their lives, about their ministry. And uh, today we learn about Nathaniel. And um, I, lo- I love that song, and it's so fitting for today because what we read about in our text is uh, the disciple uh, Philip, um, who says to Nathaniel, uh, as he invites him to, to come and, and, and see the one of whom Moses had, had spoken or written, um, he says to him, what does he say? Come and see. Come and see. And, and so um, that is uh, such a perfect song for this morning, so I appreciate it. So I do want to read for us this morning from uh, the Gospel of John, uh, be- Chapter, chapter 1, beginning in verse uh, 43. And so if you have a, a Bible or... Oh, good, it's on the screen. I just invite you to read along as I read aloud. So um, John tells us this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael, listen to his reply. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to them, he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is uh, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, open now our hearts and our minds for the hearing of the word you have for us this day. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. For you, Lord, are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm curious to know uh, this morning if there is anyone in our sanctuary uh, that is named Nathaniel or some derivative of that, like Nathan or Nate. Do we have any Nathaniels or, or Nate uh, or Nathans in our sanctuary? All right. Uh, okay. So how about at home on, on Facebook? Do we have anybody named Nathan, Nathaniel, or Nate? All right, I see a few hands waving there. That's good. That's good. I see several. Well, not really. But if you are named Nathan, Nate, or Nathaniel, be sure and put that in, uh, in the line there uh, so we can see, just get a sense of how many Nathans we have in our congregation. I, I want to tell you that over the years, I haven't known very many Nathans uh, either. But the ones that, that I have known have always been uh, serious, have always been uh, hardworking, unpretentious, uh, dedicated, loyal. Um, 
The Bible this morning introduces us to a Nathan, to a Nathaniel. And, uh, and I think that in just a few short verses, uh, we're introduced to someone who um, is unpretentious, someone who's a matter of fact, so, someone who really uh, says only a few things, but says a lot in those few verses. Nathaniel uh, appears only in, in two different chapters in all of the four Gospels. He appears here in, in chapter 1 of the Gospel of 1, the Gospel of John in chapter 1, and then he, get, he appears later in chapter uh, 21, but never does Nathaniel appear by name anyway, never appears by name in the, any of the synoptic Gospels. So uh, Nathaniel is, um, is rather quiet, but I find Nathaniel to be serious. I find Nathaniel to be one that when he speaks, he is certainly worth listening to. Based on the text, what else do we know about Nathaniel? We know that um, he was friends with Philip. We, we know that he's possibly from Bethsaida, since that is Philip's hometown. And, and, uh, and John, the writer, tells us of that being Philip's hometown just before we're introduced to Nathaniel. So perhaps he's from Bethsaida. Although he could be from Galilee because of where he meets Jesus in this particular text. But we do know this, he's definitely not from Nazareth, given what he says to Jesus. This is where he earns his designation as a skeptic. And, uh, and that's what he's known for, for all of these many years. He, he's known as, as the skeptic, Nathaniel the skeptic, because of what he says to Jesus. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? So we encounter Nathaniel the skeptic, and that's what he's labeled throughout all these years. Now, he's not the first to follow Jesus, but he is the first of the disciples in the Gospel of John to call Jesus the, the Son of God and the King of Israel. In other words, he, he really is the first in the Gospel of John to make a profession of faith. And, and so it's worth our giving pause and listening and reading this text and considering what it means for our lives. We also know that in a small exchange between Jesus and Nathaniel, Nathaniel is changed. And in one moment, he's a skeptic. And after his encounter with Christ, he is transformed. His life is forever changed. And he becomes a part of the close circle of disciples that Jesus trained and that he ate with and that he shared a roof with on many occasions. They proclaimed the good news together. Nathaniel was transformed in the matter of this brief encounter. Nathaniel is transformed in a powerful way. Why is that? So why, why do you think that Nathaniel is transformed in just a matter of moments? Why is it? What, what happened in that brief exchange that would cause Nathaniel, the skeptic, to be on board to follow Jesus and ultimately to put his life on the line with the other disciples? Now, as I read this text, for me, at least two things happen that really stand out that are ultimately transformative for Nathaniel. Jesus proves he knows Nathaniel. Jesus proves he knows Nathaniel. Nathaniel, I think, like all humans, long to be known, especially by the Son of God. We, we long to be reassured that we are, are known by Christ. We long to be reassured that somehow we are in God's sight and in God's vision. 
We long to know that we are known. Nathaniel, like all humans, longed to know that he was known by Christ. Christ proves that. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming uh, toward him, he, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. That's what Jesus says of Nathanael. Here is truly an, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He, he indicates that he, he knows Nathanael. And Nathanael asked him, where, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And in that moment, in that moment, Nathanael began to realize that, hey, this one who, who is of God knows me. He, he knows me. And he knew me even before Philip introduced him. We, we Methodists call this notion prevenient grace. Prevenient grace. Prevenient grace is the grace of God that goes before us, that is ever present in our lives, even before we are aware of it. And in this moment, we, we see that in Nathaniel's life. We, we see that Jesus knew Nathaniel before Nathaniel knew him. And, and it reminds us the significance of prevenient grace as United Methodists. You know, how often has it been that, that uh, at this table, at the baptismal font that is in your sanctuary, how, how often have you uh, baptized a baby? You, you see, we baptize babies because of God's prevenient grace, that grace that is present in their lives even before they're aware of it. E even when it's a, a youth or, or a young adult or an adult of any age, he, he, as they stand at this baptismal, as they receive the waters of their baptism and profess faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that God's prevenient grace was a part of their lives even before they're aware of it, nudging and calling and, and drawing them into the waters of baptism, drawing them into faith in Jesus Christ, that God's grace, that prevenient grace, was a part of their lives. In other words, God knew them. God knows us long before we were ever aware of it. I think every human being longs to know that they are known by Jesus Christ. Every human being longs to know that they are known. That's what transformed Nathaniel. That's what changed him forever. Now, I think the other reason that Nathaniel was, uh, was transformed in that moment is because, now here, remember, Nathaniel is known as being the skeptic. He, he, says to, um, he says to Jesus, what good can come from Nazareth? You know, that one question has labeled him that skeptic forever. But something happens also that transforms him. I, I think that Jesus shared a vision with Nathaniel that is bigger than life itself. Jesus shared a vision that is bigger than life itself. So, so listen to what happens in the text. Jesus says to him, after he professes faith, he says, you will see greater things than these. And Jesus said to him, very truly, I, I tell you, you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. It's in that one moment that, that Jesus presents a, a vision of life and relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He presents a vision that is larger than life itself. 
And, and I dare say that throughout the Gospel of John, that's what Jesus is doing with his disciples. That's what Jesus is, is doing with those that would become his followers. He presents a vision that is bigger than life itself, one so much so that people are drawn into that uh, vision. They're willing to give their life for it. You know, I want to tell you, I think that's a challenge for skeptics. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm curious, you don't have to raise your hands, but, but have you ever known a skeptic? I've known some skeptics throughout the years. I've, in, I've encountered them in, in the church. I've encountered them in the community. I've, I've encountered them in my family. What, for a number of years in Allen, uh, Texas, where I previously, previously served as uh, the lead pastor there for some 13 years, I, I served in the community uh, for a human services agency. And uh, it was an agency that was committed, really, to, um, to ending uh, poverty one family at a time and, and creating, um, creating a world in which their services were no longer needed. That, that was their vision, and, and their way of doing that was ending poverty one family at a time. And so they were dedicated to, to assisting people uh, that were in difficult circumstances uh, to, to bridge between their emergency and, and a future. And on the board where I served um, throughout the years, I, I encountered a number of skepticals. And, and this was the way, especially when they would first join, join the board and we would have our monthly board meeting, the conversation would sort of play out this way when they, when they reviewed the budget. They, they would say, I see that you're operating in the black. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> they would say, I see that you're operating in the red. I see that you're operating in the red. That, that the funds you bring in each month, you, you always exceed those funds. How is it that you can stay afloat? How, how is it that you can do what you do when you're always in the red? That was how the, the conversation would play out with, with the skeptics. And, and those that were on staff would, um, would simply say, yes, we understand that. We understand that. But there are more and more families coming in who, who need our services. And, and they would remind the person of their vision. I, our vision is to create a world where our services are no longer needed. And the way we do that is by ending poverty one family at a time. Over the course of 10 months, that, that would be a typical conversation. And then here's what happened. Inevitably, in this organization, every year in November and December, guess what happened? The receipts began to exceed their expenses. The, the amount of money that they gave away was less than the money that they were receiving. And every, every year, this organization would end in the black. They had a passion for their vision. And over the course of the service of the skeptics to this organization, their hearts were transformed. Now, don't get me wrong, it still drove them crazy to see red numbers instead of black numbers. But you see, they caught a glimpse of the vision of the world that they were striving for. And, and what we saw in that community was that this organization had, had a vision that was bigger than life. And people were willing to come on board to be a part of it. I, I know there are similar organizations right here in Decatur, Texas, that, that long to end poverty, that, that have a vision that is bigger than life. It is that vision that's larger than life, I believe, that transformed Nathaniel. What's your godly vision? 
What vision has Christ placed upon your heart that is bigger than life, that has somehow brought you here this morning? Friends, I, I want to tell you, we live in a world in which people long, they long to be known by the Creator, and, and they long to give their life to a vision that is bigger than life itself. I, I think people long to give their lives to a God-sized vision, a vision of God's kingdom that is bigger than anything you and I could ever imagine, but yet it is that vision, I think, that has called us here this morning. You know, in our, in our nation today, we, we see a divided people. We see a divided people. But what I see in, in the divided people is a passion for a vision that they somehow um, pictured that is bigger than life itself. For, for those that, that protest for, um, for Black Lives Matter, I, I think they've, they've caught a vision uh, for uh, something that's bigger than life. And part, of, part of their vision it includes a, a world in which all people live together, where all people have equal access to the same things, and that all people uh, understand themselves to be created in God's image and are able to live in community. I, I believe the people that, that stand up and say, well, all lives matter, or blue lives matter, they, they too long to be known and, and, and long for a vision that is bigger than life itself. And there are others too. We could talk about our, the political parties in our nation and the vision that they have of a world in which we live. They have a vision too, and, and we see um, those visions being debated. I think people long for a vision that is bigger than life itself. So, so let me ask you, church, what, what's the vision that we are casting into our community? What, what is the vision that we're sharing with others, the very vision that, that God has placed upon our heart, upon the church, upon this church? How are we sharing that vision? Because I see in this scripture that that vision that was bigger than life transformed Nathaniel's life. I honestly believe that vision transformed our lives and has brought us to this place. So how does the world see the church? I, I want to tell you, friends, our world is filled with skeptics. Our, our world is filled with skeptics and they have some doubt that the church is ever going to reflect a cohesive vision for the world. There are skeptics in our community that, that are wondering, where are we? There are skeptics in our, in our community wondering, is that vision, is that vision that, that Jesus shared in the Gospels, is it even possible? My friends, this morning, you, you and I are being reminded of what that vision is as we share in the Lord's table. As you and I share in the, in the bread of life, in the cup of heaven. And, and you know what? Today is uh, what we call World Communion Sunday. And so Christians across the globe have the opportunity to join together as a cohesive body uh, to share in the common loaf and the common cup. Christians across the globe have the opportunity to participate in God's vision. A vision that says all people are welcome at this table. All people are beloved children of God. All people are known by God our creator. You see, we share in that vision every time we come to this table. 
And so the challenge, I think, for the church is how, how do we rise above and share God's vision for the world, a vision that is bigger than those visions that divide us as a country? I, I, I see that vision being shared and cast throughout the Gospel of John and the other Gospels as well. In the Gospel of John, Jesus uh, talks about, he offers a prayer to God, and he says, oh God, may they be one as you and I are one. He, he shares a, a vision of a, of a world by saying to his disciples, he, he says, the world will know you are my disciples by your love, a vision where love is bigger than life itself. Oh church, oh dear friends, it is that vision of God's love that has called us here today. And how are we, the church, sharing it? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.